the truth. I say unto you that this poor widow had cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had. So, guys, let's read the scripture and then we'll talk about what we're going to talk about for tonight. Uh, the scripture is going to appear behind me. Uh, if you have your own Bible, um, it is the 12th chapter of the gospel according to Mark, which should be the second book of the New Testament uh, for you. And uh, we're going to be reading verses 41 through, excuse me, yeah, 41 through 44. And if you don't have your own Bible, there's Bibles around you. You're welcome to those. It's going to appear behind me. And then also the scripture is on the piece of paper that if you weren't watching is now underneath you. So, Will, if you'll operate that for me while I read this. This is what, whoops, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> in the Old Testament in a book called Samuel. That would not be the same verses. So this is what the word of the Lord says. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So, guys, we're going to talk for just a little bit. And, and let me just go ahead and say this for those of you who are guests. The worst Sunday on the face of the planet to ever go to a church is what would be known as the tithing sermon. And, and that's what you've come for, okay? So this might be the response you want to, want to take. Now, the irony is, is that those of you who are threads, those of you who are people who are regularly here, you know... We don't talk about money. And that's not because I'm ashamed of talking about money, but it's because I've made a commitment that uh, we will read through almost all the time, read through a book of the Bible, and that that will determine the sermons. So I, I got mocked today. I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say who it was with silver hair that may have made fun of me. <laughs> but I got mocked today because... Uh, there's, there's a group of people who are being very generous and helping me with a project. <coughs> and uh, we were talking about, hey, what have you been going through uh, with somebody who didn't know? And she said, well, for two years now, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> Technically speaking, it has not been two years. We have gone through the Gospel of Mark for 73 weeks. That's not two years. <laughs> it's definitely more than a year. Um, and for 73 weeks, we have barely talked about money at all. Not, not because Jesus doesn't talk about money. He actually talks about money a lot. It's just that in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus doesn't talk about money a lot. Uh, he talks about it more in Matthew and in Luke. And, and it's only appropriate that he would talk about money because, let's face it, money's pretty important to us. Now, let me go ahead and tell you this. What we're going to talk about tonight is not about you giving more money to tapestry. 
I am not concerned about Tapestry getting more money. We are doing fine. Uh, yeah, if there was more money, there's more things we could do, such as we fed at Place of Peace this week. And uh, three weeks before that, we fed a bunch of children who are the children of migrant workers. But this is not about that. This is more about your life and my life. So let's talk. Here's the scene. Obviously an artistic drawing because there were not cameras back then. If anybody ever tells you this was an actual picture of Jesus, you should run away from them as fast as you possibly can or laugh at them very hard, one of the two. Uh, but the scene that's going on is Jesus is sitting there and watching somebody's religious practice. Now that should sound a little odd to, to those of us who've been reading through the Gospel of Mark because typically what Jesus did was he mocked other people's religious practices. Not because he didn't care about, uh, about religion. Uh, Jesus did care very much about them doing the appropriate worship to proclaim the worthiness of God. What he was doing, though, was quite often mocking the religious leader's attempt to use religion to make people follow their will. Jesus, if you notice the uh, passage before this, uh, Jesus actually gets asked a question. The passage before that, he gets asked a question. The passage before that, he gets asked a question. And most of those questions are trying to trip Jesus, and Jesus turns them around. In this case, though, he is watching, and he praises someone. Now, if you were raised in church, which some of us in the room were and some of us in the room were not. I was not raised in church. Many of you know that. I've told you the story of the first time I ever participated in the Lord's Supper, whereupon I did not know that you were only supposed to grab one of those small crackers, so I grabbed a handful of them. I did not know what in the world the word tithe meant. I had no earthly idea, and there'd be a pastor up there talking about, oh, you all should give and you should tithe. I was like, well, that's great. What's a tithe? So, it's a fancy word that basically means this. One-tenth. It is not specifically a Jewish practice. There were lots of different religions that participated in the tithe. For Judaism, there were lots of different tithes, actually. I'm going to point out a couple of scriptures here. You're going to see long passages of scripture that are going to pop up there. We're going to go through them pretty quick. But here is the first mention of, excuse me, not first. This is a mention of the tithe, where it specifically refers to God saying, don't steal these from me. Do not steal, does it say steal the tithe? No, it says tithes. Now, for those of you who are guests, hey, Bob, um, you don't know this. When I pause, you legitimately can say yes or no or, or respond, okay? Uh, there, is very, there are very few rhetorical questions that actually take place here. And every time I try to ask a rhetorical question, somebody actually turns it into a real question. And so uh, there are tithes that are, that are actually mentioned. There are either two or three. And the reason I say two or three is there's a chance that one of the, the two is actually like double jointed. So here's a couple of them, okay? Uh, and do not neglect the Levites. Levites would have been people who actually supported the priest. Think of them as the janitors and singers and ring, bell ringers in a church. But that's what they did was they would sing in the temple. They would help with the offerings and such. And one of the tithes was specifically to support the Levites. Here's another one. Then to the place the Lord will, uh, the Lord your God will uh, choose as a dwelling for His name. There you are to bring everything I command you: your burnt offerings and I have to swap. Sorry, your uh, burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, and all the choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. And there rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites from your towns who have no allotment or inheritance, be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings anywhere else. Guys, here's the beauty of it. One of the tithes was bring 
all of your tithe, a tenth of certain items here, to Jerusalem and party. Is literally what's being described here, okay? They're offerings, but you know what you do with these offerings? You eat them, okay? Think of a barbecue where everybody in Stephen's point said, hey, today we're all going to barbecue, and you can just come and grab anything you want off the grill. I mean, how awesome would that be for church? I mean, really, how awesome would that be for church? God is literally saying part of your tithe you should bring to Jerusalem, and it should bring joy to your life because we are going to have a huge party. And God specifically describes, hey, you should let the poor, you should let the weak in this, but everyone should be a part of it. And here's, here's another one, okay? Actually, I'm sorry, we've gone through this three. Here's generally the three tithes that are kind of a part of, of the Old Testament. You have a, a tithe of your produce, in other words, your harvest. Okay, you may have heard the first sheaves. You bring a tenth of your grain. You also have a tithe of the increase of your animals. In other words, hey, uh, Joel who has moved from soils to animal production. You just did that right there, right there. And turns out that you're the world's best sheep shepherd. Sheep shepherd. Okay? And your sheep just boom. And so you take one-tenth of, of the increase and you give that to God. And then the other one was a tenth of your worth. Now, does that equal a tenth? That's actually a lot, of, a lot of stuff if you think about it. It could have been as much as 23 and a third. Because this was not all of it either. These were these increases of, hey, give a tenth of this, but then you had offerings. And here's the issue. What the scene we were just reading is not talking about tithing at all. I would actually say that, that we are not called to tithe by God. I think the New Testament does away with the tithe. The Old Testament, you had to give a tenth because it was this deal you made with God. But the New Testament is this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. The righteous and their righteousness endures forever. See, I think Jesus frees us from having to give ten percent so that God is satisfied. That means you could give nothing, or it means you can give all. It's a wonderful situation. The beauty of freedom is it means we can go past the law, and then there are times where you don't need to give to the law at all. There are times in my life where I've given less, and there are times in my life where I've given much more. What Jesus is watching here is a lady who is giving offerings. These are not the tithe of her increase because she was a widow. She would have had no increase. Okay, She wouldn't have been uh, in charge of a farm, so there wouldn't have been a tithe of produce. Instead, this is an offering of her worshiping God by her gift. So, this is a book uh, by Alfred, and I never can pronounce his name. I, somebody want to try I think it's Urdsham. Edersheim, there we go, I'll go with that. But I have read the book, The Temple. It's a wonderful book. There's also a book he wrote called Jesus and His Times. It's an absolutely incredible book. And he describes specifically the temple worship. And what we're seeing here is there were 13 trumpets 
for lack of a better word, where people would come in and they would put their offerings in. And these offerings would have been acts of worship, as in, I declare you worthy and therefore I give you the sacrifice. Sometimes it would have been a sin sacrifice, and instead of actually bringing the, the, uh, the birds or the lamb, they would have just thrown the money in, and then the, the priest would have gone and bought the lamb afterwards. Sometimes it was just like, I have been blessed by this, and I want to give this to God's ministry and do this, and they would do it. And there were these 13 boxes that were referred to as trumpets. And the reason they were referred to as trumpets is because there was a huge metal brass trumpet that came out of it. Think of it like, have you ever driven through a tollway and they have the little catching thing where you can just throw your money in and you're driving through? And in TV shows, they always do it where they're just driving through like 50 miles an hour and they throw it and it goes in there perfectly. And the real life is that we go through at five miles an hour and you throw it and you miss. And it is the last quarter you have and there are 10 cars behind you okay it's the same concept they had these boxes with these metal trumpets now if you're throwing coins because there were there was not dollar currency then if you're throwing coins into a metal trumpet what does it do yeah and it doesn't just make a little noise it makes a lot of noise and the scene you saw you saw a bunch of old men who were sitting there throwing in their pennies because yeah, why do you think they would do that? Yeah, because if I do that, there's a lot more attention drawn to me than if I just throw in one big coin. Yeah, it's annoying unless you're all about yourself. And then I look really, really good, don't I? Because I'm giving so much, even though I think I've thrown in one dime. All the rest of them have been pennies thus far. And that's what was happening, was people were going through... And they were taking their offering and making it as small as possible so that they could just throw in more and more and more. We, we have descriptions of people taking their, their offering and putting it into the smallest possible coin. And they had some really, really small coins. Such as. Let's talk for a second. I need to make sure of a couple of photos here real quick. Uh huh. Well, it's the same thing here, except for their Jan. They were just trying to look pious. See, here's the thing I want you to get: this woman gives out; she has nothing, and she gives all that she has. I do not want you to hear that God wants you to give everything that you have to the point that you're poor. Okay, there's only one time in all of Scripture that Jesus tells anyone to sell everything they have. One story where he says, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And it's this man who is described as the rich young ruler. And the reason I think Jesus does that is because he always hits us at what we trust in the most. That had nothing to do with the fact that he couldn't have money. And it had everything to do with the fact that this, this young man put all of his trust in his wealth. Jesus is not looking at this woman and saying it's so great that she gave up everything and everybody should give up everything. Because he also calls out some people because they say I've given everything to God and now I cannot support my parents. And Jesus says that they have broken the command of God by that. So please do not hear the scripture and think that tonight you should give everything that you have. You have responsibilities you should take care of. Okay, you are responsible for making sure you have food. Your brothers and sisters around you are responsible for helping you when you can't help yourselves. But 
that doesn't mean that you should use God as an excuse to be, uh, you know, have no support whatsoever. So please don't read the scripture that way. On the other hand, what the rich were doing here was not that. It's this. I love this scene. You'll see this every now and then around here. When we first moved to Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and I found out how big a thing deer hunting was here, I was amazed when I saw this sign. Because what is happening is people are using their deer hides to send kids to a camp. Now, if you take a deer hide to Menards, not Menards, excuse me, Fleet Farm, five bucks? Six dollars. Okay, so these individuals were giving up Six dollars. What's the height of the deer? I mean, it's, it's really, for most people, it's the refuse. They're missing an opportunity to make six bucks. Now, I'm glad it's going to donate. But think of it, if, if I killed a deer, which is a big if because I didn't even see a deer last year. But if I killed a deer and then I took the hide and I gave it and I donated and I just stood in front, in front of there the whole time going, hey, that's my, my deer hide right there. I gave that. What did that deer hide cost me? <laughs> no, because I wasn't going after it. That was the deer. It's not, you know, the deer, yes, but the hide, I'm going to throw away. It cost me nothing. See, what the rich were doing here cost them nothing. It was this, okay? It's the equivalent of them holding a big sign going, Look at me! <laughs> Look how wonderful I am! It is actually not an act of worship. It is an act of sin. It is about their pride and their desire to look better and be more important and for people to glorify them and talk about how absolutely wonderful they are. Oh, what a great sacrifice I made. This cost me so much to throw in all these pennies. But it really cost them nothing at all. You ever known somebody who was a vegan for just a little bit? <laughs> Robin, I bet you, you run into a bunch of people who are vegans of the week. <laughs> Robin's a vegan. And I, I mean, she's been a vegan for, you've told me, is it four years now? More? Okay, so um, versus people who are, who are vegan, you know, they turned vegan last week and they're like, oh, you know, I'm vegan now, such a huge sacrifice. That's what the rich are doing here is they have brought in their offering in as small a way, or excuse me, in as large a way as possible with as small a coin as possible. And it's not about worshiping God. It's not about declaring His worth. It is about making as much noise as they possibly can off something that doesn't cost them anything at all. That's what Jesus is doing is he's calling out the difference between what the rich were doing and, and what this little lady was doing. And, and what this lady was doing was this. Now, if you have read the King James Bible, which I think is possibly the most beautiful Bible, I, I disagree with, uh, with some of the Greek that's behind it because the Greek, we found better Greek at this point. But the language is beautiful. I still cannot quote John 3.16 without quoting from the King James Bible. I almost fell to class when I was studying for my master's in divinity because I had to quote it in one single translation. And I was using the NIV. And every time I hit John 3.16, I wanted to quote it from the King James Bible. I love the language of the King James Bible. And if you read this in the King James, it should describe the widow as giving something. Does anybody know what it's called? It's called a mite. Which is a wonderful way of preaching. What they were doing is a wonderful thing. Because the mite is actually a coin from around 1611, which is when the King James was written. 
It's a wonderful way. It's what I do right now, okay? I'm describing, hey, this is what the rich are doing, and I show you deer hides. I'm translating it into modern society. The problem is that this coin was not a mite. (laughs) It was a leopon. Here. There. (laughs) A leopon was the coin, and the closest equivalent they had in 1611 was a mite. And it was almost the same thing. Leopon was the, perhaps the most worthless coin ever printed. One one hundredth of what we would refer to as a cent. One one hundredth. Okay, here are two of them to give you an idea of how little copper is involved in it. That's somebody's hand. Think of two coins there in, in your hand that big. And look at how they're printed. These coins were so worthless that when they were stamping them in the metal, they didn't even care if they hit the blank properly, okay? If you look at most of these coins, they're all center, and it cost them too much effort to throw that one away. These coins are usually worn, almost slam out, because they they would never replace them because it costs more to make them than they were worth. And that's what she gave. Now, to be honest, the rich probably gave these too because it would have made more noise, dropping them over and over. The difference is she gave two one-hundredths of a penny would be the closest equivalent. Do you understand how poor she probably was? See, her act is an entirely different act from theirs. Their act is an act of self-aggrandizement. Her act is an act of trust. She is saying, I trust in God and He is the one whom I proclaim and I trust in Him so much that I will live uh, with Him being the one to take care of me. There's a huge difference there. She's reaching out to God and she's saying, if you don't take care of me, no one will. And they're using God as an excuse to look really nice. God says this, Jesus says this in regards to money. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And again, I love the King James on this. It doesn't just refer to it as money, because what Jesus is doing there is he's treating money as if it were a God, as if it were an entity. See, the problem with money is money's a wonderful thing, but it Try, well, it, not that it tries. We try to quite often substitute it for God. Your, your God is, is, is that which you trust in. Your God is, is that which you kind of serve. Here, here's some examples, okay? You know, we trust in certain things. Well, think about it with money. It's very easy for us to trust in money. When you don't have enough, it's very easy to worry about not having enough. And that's exactly what God wants from us is to trust in Him. Your God is that which, which you worship, which you declare worthy. Think of what people will do for money. It's, it's really amazing when you think about it. If you just want a good example, think of reality TV. You could say that's fame and money. Think of some of the things that people do that are perfectly, atrociously humiliating. And why do they do it? Well, they do it for, for money slash fame, and the fame usually equals more money. That which you declare worthy. Your God is is that which you will sacrifice for. This is a quote from Kramer from Seinfeld. Anytime I can put Seinfeld in, I will gladly do it. But think of it. We we call uh, for for people to sacrifice if you believe that Jesus is your God. Uh, In the next few weeks, uh, as a church, now some of you as guests, you're you're not going to be familiar with this term at all, but we participate during Christmas in a thing called Advent Conspiracy. 
Uh, Advent is the season of preparation right before Christmas. And we try to rearrange Christmas. We try to worship Jesus in a way that would glorify him during Christmas. And what we've come up with, along with some other churches, is that we don't think Jesus would celebrate his birth in the way that we quite often celebrate it. So instead of, of just going out and going into debt and such, what we try to do is we try to spend less while actually giving more and loving all. And those of you who are threads know you're going to hear that over and over again. Because what we're doing is literally saying, I will spend 20% less this year than I did last year while giving more gifts. And those gifts will be gifts of presence. Not just presence in the sense of wrap things, but gifts of people spending time with one another or my time. My kids, I, I love the gifts they give because it's, it's a gift of their time or their ability. And, and then we say we want to take that money we saved and we're going to spend, 10 per, excuse me, spend half of it on those in need and half of it on, on taking care of our friends and our family. See, our God determines our sacrifice and money does it all the time. Think of some of the things you've probably done for money. <laughs> some of them are humiliating, some of them are not. We sacrifice that. Your God is, is that which uh, you serve. This is just for the cat friends. If you can't see it, it says, Breakfast cat wants to know the whereabouts of his waffles or her waffles. <laughs> and if you want to know a God that thinks you should serve it, look at a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that makes me laugh is about half of you own cats and you're agreeing with me. <laughs> you're like, oh, they're so wonderful, but I will serve it. <laughs> See, your God is, is, is that which you sacrifice for. Your God is that which you worship. Your God is that which you serve. Your God is, is something that controls your life because you trust it. And that God can be Jesus Christ and that God can be other things. And the problem is, is that money, it can be a semi-good substitute for the real thing. It's never going to be the real thing, but money can be something we trust in. It can be something we sacrifice for. That's why I think Jesus calls, calls us to make offerings and to tithe because it is a spiritual battle of declaring what we really trust in. I've told you this, uh, some of you this at one time or, or another. It's not true now, but at one time in my life, to make sure I knew this, I would write across every bill in my, in my wallet, this is not my God. This is not my God. This is not my God. Because I'll be freely... Uh, free with you and say hey while i you know money's not my god in some extent it is for me a sense of security and so sometimes i just try to give just to kind of combat it it's like punching it in the face and saying get away from me because you're trying to take control but instead i want to trust in god so c.s lewis who i absolutely love and you should too if i had my way god would say everybody should read the book of amos and everybody should read C.S. Lewis. That's what I think God should do. He's not listening to me at this time, but that's what I think he should do. This is the way he describes we should give. He says that I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude excludes them? I may have typoed there. Because uh, obviously C.S. Lewis would never typo. <laughs> See, guys, I think it's a good way of summing it because the problem is, is that quite often I can give and it cost me nothing. I mean, realistically, if this is the scene that Jesus was watching, their gift 
no matter how big it was, Jesus looked at them and said, he, they gave out of their wealth and it really didn't cost them anything. And what she gave cost her probably everything. What are you giving me, Kim? Oh, okay. Okay, because I was confused. I thought you were writing a check. I was like, please don't give that to me. Because, <laughs> see, I don't think Jesus was looking at them and saying, oh, you've got to give more, you've got to give more. What he was talking about was whether or not it really affects us and declares whether or not Jesus is our God or our money is our God. And please do not understand this to be, give more money to tapestry, okay? Realistically, we need about $2,000 a month to survive right now. And we are usually at that. I'm not just talking about giving to church, though you should. If you are a member, you should give to church. But I'm talking about giving to the ministry of God, and sometimes that is giving to other organizations, sometimes that is taking care of the poor in and of yourselves. And if it is not hurting us, if it is not keeping us from having some luxury, then we probably are not giving enough. Because what we give and how we spend our time really does reflect what our God is. See, it is a spiritual battle. It is a battle about whether or not we will really trust Jesus and we will really hang on to Him or if we will just depend upon ourselves. One of my favorite, favorite uh, historical moments is from Cortez. When Cortez came over, he asked his sailors to burn their ships. Does anybody know why? Yeah. Because you can't turn back if there's no boat. I mean, I guess you could turn back. But it's an awfully long swim. He said, burn the boats. I do not mean by that that all of us should cash every, every equitable, equitable thing we have and give it to the church or to another charity. I'm not meaning that. What I'm meaning is most of the time, most of us in the room do not give in such a way that we actually have to trust God. And that it means me too. We give enough to be able to say, oh God, you should be happy with me. But we don't give to the point that we actually need them. Yes. All right, and are you talking about say to them in regards to giving? Yes. Do you know the irony of that? Do you know who the most, uh, statistically, the most giving people are? In our society, in the U.S., the people who give the largest percent of, the, percent of their income are those that are in poverty. Now, to be completely honest, it's easier for them to do that in some ways because if you give 10 bucks and you, you made $100 that week, you, you know, automatically have given 10%. But it's also more difficult because that 10 bucks is much more meaningful than, to them. I, I don't think half the time it's, it's the poor that really need the message. I think it's the rest of us. Yes, ma'am.
Yeah. Exactly. I, I have a, a hero of mine that says sometimes 10% is 100% for you. Uh, sometimes all I can give is a dollar. <laughs> the problem becomes when, when I use that as an excuse for the times when I have so much more. And I'm surely the only person in the room who's ever done that. Uh, there are times where I sacrifice and there are times where I use those sacrifices as an excuse not to give any more. Um, I think what happens is quite often we have a Jesus that we like to talk about praising, but real, uh, in reality, he's plastic and we don't really depend upon him for anything. See, this lady's God, she was counting on. If this lady's God did not take care of her, she had nothing else to, to survive off of. She was trusting in him fully. And a lot of times I don't think we trust in Him at all. So, my question is this. Because I do not know your heart. I do not know what God has called you to. I do not know what you can give or what you should give. And I do not want you to give money to tapestry tonight. If you, I mean, if you're a regular tithe, do that. But like these pennies, and I, I put on Facebook, hey, please bring pennies. We're just going to give that to World Vision. World Vision is a wonderful organization that supports lots of needy people around the world. They do great things. Uh, we as a church regularly, instead of spending money on Father's Day gifts that truthfully are just kind of meaningless bookmarks or little pens that have nice little sayings on it, we give that money uh, to, to World Vision. And last year it was to spend money on buying fishing equipment for kids uh, in need. And for Mother's Day, we do the same thing. I'm not asking you to, to, you know, like, oh, we need more money for tapestry. What I'm worried about is this. Who do you trust in? What do you trust in? What do I trust in? And what does our spending reflect on that? Because this lady put all of her trust in God. And if He didn't take care of her, she's doomed. Kind of like this. This is my friend Bart that some of you have met. And that wonderful creature below him is Yoshi. Yoshi is his guide dog. Uh, Bart is legally blind. He has a thing called macular degeneration, which means that he could see, and slowly but surely there is a big black dot that is formed in his vision. Uh, he can still see, but think of, of viewing the world through your peripheral vision. That's what he sees. Uh, he could look at you and know that you're there, but he would never be able to, to make out your features and such. And therefore, he has Yoshi, his guide dog, which I think most of us in my family would say, uh, we, we have this mixed thing of we love Bart and we've known Bart forever, but Yoshi's awesome. And so every now and then we hit this point of who are, who are we more excited about seeing, Bart or Yoshi? Yoshi's incredible. This is, this is Bart uh, when I was with him to watch his sons play in Chicago. And I thought, this is going to be awful. I've been with Bart many, many times, but I have never been with Bart in, in Chicago. And he's only been blind for about two years now. And uh, Yoshi just guides him perfectly. He puts absolute, complete trust in Yoshi. And Yoshi is incredibly protective of him, even to the point of if another dog attacks Yoshi while she is working, she will not protect herself. It's happened before. This relationship only works because Bart puts complete 
and utter faith in Yoshi. And Yoshi's worthy of it. It's one thing if you're walking. It's one thing if you're walking and there's traffic. It's an entirely different thing if you're skiing down a hill. And there's a Paralympic sport of slalom taking place during, uh, during the winter Paralympics. Uh, they have guides who guide them through a slalom downhill. Yeah. Exactly. Can you imagine the amount, uh, the amount of trust this person has to have in this person? See, if the guide doesn't take care of them, they're doomed. And our giving should reflect that type of trust in God. That does not mean that Jesus wants you to sell all your possessions and give it to a church. I'll freely admit there are churches that you should not give a dime to. And I don't mean that because, ooh, we're the best and such. What I'm meaning is uh, you look at the finances and I think everyone here would be pleased. I'm not worried about you giving money to the church because God takes care of those that are called according to His purposes. What I'm worried about is, do you and I actually trust in God? And a lot of times, where we say Jesus is what our life is all about, but our checkbooks don't reflect that at all. What it reflects is, is that we really trust in money. Students, some of your education, there's a temptation to say, yeah, I trust in God. And then ignore God's call to go after something He really tells you to and instead go after the job that makes you the most money. People who are employed, it's the same way. Do we trust God? Or do we trust in a very poor substitute? So before I end, does anybody have anything that needs to be added? Okay. Then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And this is going to be very disruptive. <laughs> Hopefully a good disruptive. I'm going to move this table to the back. We're going to sing to a God who is worthy. Because your God is that which you worship. Your God is that which you sacrifice for. Your God is that which you trust in. Your God is that which you serve. And uh, I'm going to remove the metal out of this so it won't be quite as disruptive. And for those of you who brought pennies, while we're singing to how, how wonderful God is, to how worthy He is, I would invite you to pour your pennies in there. You can do it as quietly as you want because we're not doing it for our own self-aggrandizement. We're not doing it for our pride. And all of this money will go to World Vision. None of it will go to tap. I mean, obviously, it has to go into Tapestry's account to write the check because World Vision does not want us sending them a bunch of pennies. But the money will go to World Vision, not to Tapestry. So let's pray and let's sing, okay? Father, please help us to trust in you like this widow. Help us to live in such a way that if you don't bail us out, there is no help. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Guys, please stand and sing if you have pennies or you want to put in uh, anything. This will go to World Vision. And I do not want to drop this. Yeah, you guys can stand if you want to.